and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Esports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prevar. Kevin, blue-white game is just only a little over a week away, but it was the quarterbacks that got to speak after practice Tuesday night uh, at, in University Park. And why that matters is this is really outside of the bowl time. Um the only time that, that Bo Perbula and, and Drew Aller have spoken to the media. Penn State is very steadfast. They don't let freshmen speak with the media unless it is the bull. Um, but they spoke with the media for about 10, 10 minutes after practice uh, on Tuesday. And they talked about the competition. They talked about going up against a great defense. And, you know, you got to love what, what they have to say. You too. I – I am all for the comp- the competition talk. However, I don't feel like there's much of an open competition. James is never going to declare a starter in April. Um, however, I just don't see it. I don't see any feasible way that it's not Drew Aller leading this team uh, as they come out of the tunnel against West Virginia on September 2nd. So, um, but he embraces it. I, I think he's a football player. He's an athlete. He's a, He's a competitor, so he's going to want that competition, even if it's pretty much just all signed, sealed, delivered anyways. Uh, they just got to put the wax stamp on the back of the envelope. Uh, so I, I like his attitude. Um, obviously, we know how good the defense was last year, and everyone's talking about it this year. Like They got to say it, but best team, best defense in the country, and I don't think – I don't think that's too far of a stretch. I mean, it's probably top three, top four. And, you know, that's that's got to look good for uh, heading into next year. Yeah, James Franklin's never – it, it's way too early, and nor should he announce a starter. But let's be real. Drew Aller hasn't done anything to not be the starter. He played well when he played in relief of Sean Clifford multiple times last year. And he was the one that got the call, not Christian Villier, not Bo Perbula. Now – What's scary here is is them talking about getting reps for Prabula in a different package. We've seen that with Tommy Stevens. We've seen that with Will Levis. We've seen that with with even you know Aller last year, Tyler Warren last year too. Yeah, now Tyler Warren is a little bit different because of the Wildcat, but with those guys, that is to me potentially a ploy to get them to stay. Now I think. I think there's a very good chance that Bo Perbola does stay. I, I mean, earn that, keep that red shirt. He can have a couple extra years of eligibility following, you know, following in Perbola's, or I'm sorry, in Aller's footsteps after graduation or going to the NFL, um, which I would expect him to do after his junior year. If he has a good year this year, spectacular year next year, boom. He, I don't. I think he's as good as gone. And then it is Bo's team. But there's so much that can happen. But I think the competition stuff is just kind of a facade. Because let's be real. There's no reason why it shouldn't be Al. We're not saying that, that Bo Perbula is, is a bad quarterback by any means. But it just sets up to be Aller's squad. He is Mike Yurcich's guy. He led the offense last year. He's in now in year two of it. So same with Perbula. But it's... Drew Aller's job to lose, and that's only going to be performance based or injury based. Certainly, and I really wish they've been talking about it all spring. Like it's been the chatter for the last two weeks after practice. 
I really want to know if there's footage of that Keandre Lambert Smith catch. Um, Kalen King talked about it today. Malik Mega talked about it last week. Uh, Keandre Lambert Smith had this ridiculous one-handed catch. They are all saying that uh, Drew threw it exactly where it needed to be. And that's what you want to hear about excellent ball placement and athletes making plays. And then Kalen King was talking today about like Drew just throws it different. Obviously, Sean Clifford didn't have the strongest arm, and I don't think Prabula is. I think Prabula is probably in that category of of uh, of throwing. But man, I I just feel like Aller's arm talent is probably up there with freshman year Hackenberg, freshman or uh, Trevor Lawrence throughout his entire college career. Like I feel like that's where his arm strength is at, and really that's that's just an added thing that the defense is going to have to adjust to. So. Maybe Penn State doesn't start off as slow this year just because, you know, maybe they're a little bit more successful in their game plans, but also maybe DBs aren't used, aren't ready for the speed and the accuracy of the balls that they're going to have to defend. Yeah, and that's the thing. And that's, and that's even what, what, what Drew said, too. You know, he put that ball the only place that Kendra Lambert-Smith could catch it, and that was by design. It, it was either – Andre Lambert Smith catches it or nobody catches it. And, you know, when that happens and you have that, that accuracy, that is what's going to play on Saturdays. Can, can they continue that? You know, he mentioned Trey Wallace stepping up, Amari Evans stepping up for receivers. You know, these are guys that are, have got a lot of potential and that receiver room isn't, you know, the, the, the experience isn't what it was going into last year, right? Now it's, you know, Keandre Leonard Smith, it's Trey Wallace, it's guys like Omari Evans, Malik Mega, Malik McLean. You know, those are the guys that are going to have to step up. And I'm very interested to see what they've got, you know, for the blue white game, because this is going to be our first dose of of those guys in that that newly tooled um wide receiver room. Yeah, it's good to hear just not necessarily Drew just talking about the wide receivers, but just hearing, you know, Kalen King talk about the wide receivers. Hearing the development of Mari Evans, hearing just the growth of KLS, um, the growth of Trey Wallace, his speed, his quickness. So to hear it from the DB side, they're the same team, but they're different rooms. So, and they're not really like they're not on the field at the same time. So, yeah, if you're Drew Aller, you got to prop your wide receivers up, even if they aren't taking as big of a steps as they need to. You're gonna say, yeah, yeah, like they're just making strides and strides and strides. Is Kalen King gonna bury him in the media? No, but he is gonna go out of his if he goes out of his way to mention three guys, like those are the guys that he's like, man, you know, they're giving me the challenge that I need in practice. So I think it's good to hear that side. Yeah, and that and that's the thing. I mean, everybody, James Franklin has these guys well trained. These guys. That's, uh, and, and let's be real, you know, everywhere at Penn State, you see you're now entering the most competitive environment in college and collegiate experience, athletics or whatever. So you're seeing that every day that compete is one of the four core principles, you know, and, and they always say the right things. Right. And Franklin, it was funny during his uh, portion of the press conference, um, Nick Singleton and Jalen Reed spoke uh, via Zoom uh, earlier Tuesday afternoon. And they mentioned about winning the national championship. He and James Franklin said that's a great goal to have, but I'm going to leave practice and go tell them you need to focus on other things. It's a great goal to have, but you have to focus on what you need to do to get there. So, I mean, 
they have lofty expectations. Drew Aller's hype in the expectation of his play is at that level. Can he do it? Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. And just a quick tidbit. We haven't gotten to the defense yet. I am really excited to see what Tony Rojas can do on defense. I don't, I don't think he's going to be on first team defense for the spring game. Uh, Kalen King got there. Um, but man, they said he's added 20 pounds of muscle in three months. So, yeah, and it's good muscle. And that's what uh, Franklin talked about that. Kalen King talked about it. You know, it, this is a team and the same thing with Tamir Robinson, right? So there are a lot of opportunities for Penn State, a lot of expectations. Can they live up to it? I think that's going to be the hard part. Drew Aller is 19 years old. That's a lot. You know, we talked about the, the Christian Hackenberg process, uh, a podcast that he was on with Adam Brenneman. And one of the things he talked about was being young and having the whole world thrown at you, being a celebrity on campus, handling that and, and, and seeing what and how that's going to impact him because – the hype is real. We see it every time we turn on social media. It's Drew Aller this, Drew Aller that. Deservedly so. But can he live up to those expectations? They're lofty. They're heightened. This is a team that won the Rose Bowl. The, 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 this hasn't had this type of feeling um, since, the, uh, since Penn State lost in the Rose Bowl uh, in 2017. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he's able to handle that, what his makeup is mentally on paper. It looks like he can do it, but you don't know it unless, you know, you're going through it Friday. I'm sorry, in the fall, Saturday or Monday mornings after, after games, after beating West Virginia or losing to West Virginia is going to show a lot about how the campus is going to handle Drew Aller. Yeah. And like you, you mentioned the 2017 team. I just feel like this team, I feel like last year's team was a notch above that team, above the 2016 team. And it just feels like the talent level, the depth of the 2023 team is just going to be, it's just that much better. And it's, I mean, the 2017 wasn't as successful. Obviously they didn't get back to the Rose bowl until last year. So I don't know. The expectations are going to be lofty. And like you mentioned earlier, they're, they're talking about winning the national championship and whatnot. I, I don't want to say it's playoff or bust, but I mean, it's, it's almost at that point where they need to be, they need to at least go one and one uh, against the other Michigan and Ohio state. And then like, they need to be in the conversation of a top five, top six program this year. Like that's just, that's just what it is. And when you got a guy as true sophomore and he's starting game week one, it's, it is going to be uh, a potential roller coaster. So we'll see how he handles it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Can he do it? It remains to be seen because there's, there were no, there was no pressure for him last year, right? You go in, you're not the starter. Clearly, that's Sean Clifford's job. He gets the brunt of every issue, good, bad, and different. You can just go in and play, and that's not going to be be the case in the fall. We're going to find out a lot about Drew Aller come first game of the year against West Virginia. It's not like West Virginia is a bad team. Neil Brown's got a got a decent program going, but it's a Big Twelve team to start, and now you got to see what what happens. That we certainly do. So we're going to take a quick break, get into the second segment here. Talk Penn State basketball. So we'll get to that after this quick break on the Sports Now Network.
Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Esports Now Network. Kevin, we just heard from Drew Aller and Bo Perbola and what they talked about. But Penn State, at one point in the month of March, was not just a football school. It was a basketball school. Penn State basketball was at its peak relevancy. And I think that that is honestly going to be maintained with the hire of Mike Rhodes from VCU. He's bringing almost his entire staff with him, plus a Penn State legend and Joe Crispin. What a time to be alive. It is. And in order to keep that Penn State hot, basketball hot streak alive, uh, he's got to rebuild the roster. Kabajai entered the transfer portal yesterday. Penn State has two scholarship players left on the roster. Um, but really, all week long after he got hired, Shaka Smart came to his not I don't want to say came to his fence defense, uh, singing his praises. Jay Wright, the former. So Shaka Smart, uh, if you're not familiar with VCU basketball, he was VCU basketball coach, uh, led them to the final four, then went to Texas and is now at Marquette. Uh Jay Wright. Ex Villanova coach now on CBS desk actually knows Mike Rhodes as well. Um, oh, the relation Mike Rhodes to Shaka Smart was that Mike Rhodes was on Shaka Smart staff. Um, so a lot of praises from two really well respected basketball coaches, two really successful basketball coaches, and Mike Rhodes nothing to slouch at either in his resume. One twenty nine and sixty one at VCU over the course of five seasons, over the course of six seasons. NCAA tournament team three times coaching in the A-10 conference. Really, that means you got to win your conference championship tournament or, you know, hope that you get a second team into this big dance because the A-10s, it's known for basketball, but I mean, it's VCU, U of R and schools of that. Like it's no big 10, it's no ACC, it's no big 12. So Three tournament appearances in six years after taking over that program from Shaka. He did not take it over from Shaka Smart. I forget who had it after Shaka Smart. Or maybe it was. I don't know. Um, but VCU program was down from its final four successes there. So he got that team to to tournament in two, two years. And uh, we'll see what he can do at Penn State. Right. And he's a Pennsylvania guy. You know, and that, and that's huge. And he knows, and I think for him, where this wasn't the case with Michael Shrewsbury, and, and I'm not saying anything against what Michael Shrewsbury did or didn't do or went when he went to Notre Dame. I, you got to do what's best for your family. Indiana's home. For for Rhodes, Pennsylvania's home. Penn, Penn State is a destination job. And I think that's huge. And I think the biggest thing is, for the first time ever, Penn State released contract numbers for Rhodes as the head basketball coach. And that, to me, speaks volumes because that means, to me, that Penn State gives a shit about basketball. They are all in. They are committed. And it's not – you know, these are these are big-time numbers for Penn State basketball. You know, $500,000 is the base salary. Supplemental pay, it goes up $100,000 every year until the end of his um, – until the end of the contract, which, if he does well, will get extended, and that will change. But he starts out at two, $2.9 and that goes up 100000 every year, right? So he's guaranteed 3.4 in year one, 3.5 year two, all the way up to, to $4 million in, a, in that seventh season. So that's a significant financial gain or financial, you know, hey, let's, we're all in. 
we are financially backing you. Let's go do this. So, and I think Pat Craft meant business. I mean, I think Penn State was in a position to do whatever they could to keep Michael Shrewsbury, and ultimately he couldn't say no to Notre Dame. For a kid from Indiana that's coached in South Bend before, you can't say no to that. And I don't blame him at all. But now you have the financial backing, which is something that, that Pat Chambers didn't have. That's for damn sure. Ed DeCella sure as hell didn't have. Jerry Dunn, God knows what he was making. And, and college basketball was way different back then. But now you can maintain it. You know, the, the guy, it's funny, on um, on Monday he posted a picture out, out on his way up, I would imagine, from Virginia um, of him outside of, of, right in front of a Pennsylvania sign. And, or welcome to Pennsylvania sign. And I thought that was awesome. I mean, he gets it. Um, and again, man, I, I, I'm excited to see it. Dude, there it's going to be a struggle in year one. I, I truly believe that they have to reconstruct the roster yet again. Um, it, it's just one of those deals. But now, like I think they can maybe not maintain it where it was this year, where they're winning tournament games, but they should be able to put together something to fit his system. And I think that's also the best thing about it too, right? The transfer portal makes it so that he can go out and get guys that fit his system, what he wants to do and how he wants to play basketball. Whereas Michael Shrewsbury had to kind of adapt and he did a great job, but we all know year one, those aren't, those weren't really the guys that he, that he needed to run his, his offense. Yeah. And like you said, the financial commitment is there for the first time in Penn state history. Chris Holtman at Ohio State is making three and a half. Uh, Matt Painter Purdue is making three point five eight. Jawan Howard's making to a high seed every year. Yeah, Jawan Howard's only making three. Oh, I say only three point six. <laughs> Greg Greg Gard also making three point six. So, I mean, he's above, and so he'll have the eighteenth highest salary in college basketball. I mean, that is a financial commitment. You have to think that was probably offered to Shrewsbury. He didn't take it. Obviously, whatever. Mike Rhodes comes home. Son of, like you said, son of a former Pennsylvania State Senator, a lot of pride, talking about his time at Lebanon Valley College, talking about, you know, they're flying in from Richmond and just looking over Pennsylvania. Him and his wife were just like, wow, we're doing this. We're back home. The seven year commitment, if you're willing, college basketball, I mean, college contracts in general probably don't mean too much. I mean, coaching contracts in general don't mean that much at any level, but. The fact that he was willing to sign a seven-year deal, it just speaks volumes to that to that potential commitment. It seems like it is a destination job for him. I don't know if he's out hunting for more. We'll see uh, as time goes on. But, yeah, like you said, the, the roster rebuild is going to be on. I think several of his players, like three or four of them from VCU, enter the transfer portal. You know, do they did they like Coach Rhodes enough to come back home or follow him up to Penn State? If they do, I mean, that's great for the program, too. You get a couple guys familiar with them. They can go out and, you know, they can help with the recruiting process of the transfer portal kids. So, yeah, I definitely don't expect a lot year one. Year two is where we're really going to be targeting that tournament run. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for him to be there. I think I said last week that he was the second best choice. He probably was, but after talking about, you know, this being a destination job for him, I think, I think that trumps all, and it's the university has made the financial commitment to him. He's going to be committed to the university, it seems, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, and I, I mean, you have that, I, again, being a Pennsylvania guy, knowing what Penn State is about is huge. 
Uh, so I think that's a that's a great thing for for the basketball team, basketball program moving forward. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And again, keep maintain that relevance because Penn State basketball was fun for for the last few months, right? It, getting on board, and you're like, oh damn, this team is good. Like this team, this is going to be this team could be doing a lot of big things. And then they go out and do it. And, and listen, they were going to have to replace Jalen Pickett no matter what, and that's tough. To do, he's once in a generation player at Penn State, but now they get to kind of wipe the slate clean, or start start with a clean slate, I guess I should say, and it's one of those deals where that's the beauty of the portal, if you want to say that, because I think, you know, and we'll get to that here in the third and final segment, uh, where there's some ideas about how to fix the portal, uh, and and things like that, and but that's the best thing about it is programs like this that are decimated by transfers or people being in the portal, you know, Hey, let's go out and see, see what we got. And just because the player isn't is in the portal doesn't mean they might not come back. So you hope that he can kind of retain some of those guys that are in the portal and maybe he won't. And, and, but if he does, I mean, that's, that's going to be huge for Penn state uh, moving forward. Yeah. Hopefully a guy like Kevin Kabajai comes back, uh, Definitely a player with a lot of growth, but I mean, I believe he's still the second highest rated recruit ever to come to Penn State for basketball. So that's a guy like Mike Rhodes needs. That's almost priority number one. Making sure Kabajai stays, kind of keeps some roster continuity from last year. If you're rolling in, if you're only rolling over two roster players from one year to the next, it's, I mean, it's kind of basketball. Like Kentucky does it every year, Duke does it every year with all their one and dones, but that's just not the bulk of college basketball. There's only what 20 guys a year that go one and done the rest of, and there's 330 teams in college basketball or something crazy like that. So yeah, it's, we'll see how it goes. I am really hopeful that just the way he was talking about the memories that he had at Penn state growing up, like his dad bringing him up, like it just seems like there's the passion for the university. And if you're passionate about where, about your job and who you work for, you have to, think that you're going to do the best obviously he's going to do the best he can but it's just it just gives it that added juice and um i think that'll really help on the recruiting trail as well just just to be passionate about the university be passionate about your job but it sounds like he's going to coach a flexible coaching style he's he's going to hold guys accountable for decisions they make and but he's not going to be like looking over their shoulder and dictating necessarily the way they play like do it do what's successful do what you feel comfortable with and we'll we'll kind of adapt and overcome the system to there and kind of like that he was like yeah just be athletic and be in shape so we'll figure out the basketball after that yeah and, and you have as a coach you have to be adaptable and i mean you look at the teams in the final four and, and especially the national championship game you look at yukon and san diego state those teams have played together a considerable amount of time longer than than most and that's the that's the good thing for them. They they were able to contain like, contain their team can can keep their team together, and that's huge in this day and age. Because you, you look at a team like North Carolina, who went to the Final Four, lost in the national championship game, they brought guys back, and it was a disaster. And then you you know now this year, a lot of those guys are in the portal. So you know it, it, the portal is a blessing and a curse. Blessing because Penn State situation, they get to rebuild, reload, whatever. 
but also like you have to worry about other players going and, and leaving. Like if, if you're a Florida Atlantic or now VCU, right? They win the A10, make it to the tournament, and now they're now a lot of their guys are in the portal because their coach left. So I mean that's the that's the business of college athletics. The portal is 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 pure craziness. It's the wild wild west. So at the same time, you know, such is life. You gotta you gotta just put up or shut up and, and, and deal with it. And I think that's, you know, one of the, the wild things about it. And I don't know that there's going to be a quick and easy fix. But with that said, Kevin, I think it's time to take our final break and get to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast and the Nittany Sports Now Network. We'll talk to you after this quick break. third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and Nittany Sports Down Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. If you didn't already know that after the first two segments, well then, welcome to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast. NIL is a fickle thing. We talk about it all the time. Now, it seems like we talk about it at least once a week. Aller was talking about that. He's represented by CAA. Bo Perbola has a has a football camp with his brother, quarterback camp. You know, there are so many opportunities for these young kids. But what we're seeing, and especially in basketball right now, is that NIL is a big deal for both players and coaches. And I don't know that it's that great, but Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy, you know, had a really interesting or intriguing idea on how to kind of – like. To, to kind of keep NIL stuff and trying to keep things at bay. And what his idea revolved around was these players signing contracts, if you will. And the way that really has a negative connotation because that kind of takes away the amateur aspect of college athletics and, and whatever. But maybe it's instead of contracts, but it's a scholarship. So your scholarship is for one year, two years, three years. And then they have to honor that, and it, and it, and it's it's an idea. I mean, it, this 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 is spread like wildfire, um, and I think that's that's something that that they're not able to to kind of change, or or do right now because it has just exploded exponentially in ways that nobody ever I thought um, would be imaginable. Yeah, and it was crazy to talk hear Aller talk about being represented by CAA, like. That's not just some ni some nil agent like that is that is legit agent. I mean, CAA's got Josh Allen, the Edmonds brothers, Kasiki, Chris Godwin. I think KJ Hamler's in there too. The Bosa brothers. I mean, this is this is a legit agency. He's represented by an agent. I'm sure if his college career goes well, like that's going to be the people representing him in the NFL and for draft prep, draft prep, and then the NFL. So. Yeah, it's we want to avoid the word contracts, but it's we're going to get to a point where recruiting your roster every year and recruiting high schoolers every year, it's just going to be too cumbersome. Guys, like, how are you going to plan for it if if Prabula and Smolik leave after next year, after this season, and then you're left with Aller and whoever you can recruit as a true freshman, and maybe you only get one. 
And then you're rolling two quarterbacks on the roster. You got to recruit a backup. Like somebody's going to get bit to the point where somebody, the NCAA, I can't believe I'm saying this. We're going to have to count the NCAA to save the day here, but there's got to be, there's got to be a catch where we, we, we need you to commit for two years. Your NIL is guaranteed for two years. If you leave, then, you know, you got to repay 50% of your NIL money or you got to repay a hundred percent of your NIL money. And then you got to go to your next university and maybe double it. You know what I mean? To like recoup what you lost. So I think they can maybe tie some NIL stuff to keep him guys there. It's going to be hard to give four year scholarships, three year scholarships, two year scholarships, one year. Like that game is going to be weird because it's going to be, it's going to add that extra dimension of recruiting, which I think is just going to add more complexity. It's just going to be really confusing for fans and really confusing for coaching staffs because you know, it could be down to two schools. It could be down to Penn State and Ohio State. Ohio State's letting quarterback X with a one-year scholarship, and Penn State's like, we're not going to go below two, and then Penn State loses them to Ohio State because they offered a one-year scholarship. So, because that guy wanted the extra flexibility, so mm-hmm. it'll it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it definitely needs to tie. I I think the safest tie is to NIL. I mean, it's already not regulated, so who the hell cares? Yeah, and that's the thing. And we talked about this too. At one point, we wanted everything, the NCAA, to keep their hands off of pretty much everything, right? Now everybody's like, NCAA, you guys need to step in. And there, it is. It is a runaway train that people aren't hopping off of because it makes sense for everybody. Why not go make money off your name? And and I don't blame these people one bit. It's just kind of hurting everybody. We talked about that in the second segment where. You know the NIL and and, and the portal are, are both ha- are having both positive and negative impacts on teams like Penn State. Obviously, the, the negative is Micah Shrewsbury, who was found to have talked to Notre Dame after their loss to after Penn State's loss to Rutgers. Um, then, you know, going to Notre Dame because of NIL and being home, obviously. But you know, then the portal he builds that roster. Same thing with Mike Rhodes. Now I'm going to have to. So it, there's just so much there that isn't good, but could be good. And it's just a weird, weird purgatory. Yeah, it's it's just unfortunate that they got so behind it because, you know, it was going state by state. And then eventually the federal regulators had to get involved to say, like, you can do this everywhere. I think that's what happened. Right. Something like mm-hmm. that. So. Because, like, I think, what, Texas and Florida were the first to Every say, Every state's yeah. different. Yeah, and that's the thing. What happens in Pennsylvania is different than Ohio. It's different for Florida or, or what have you. So there is really no regulation right now that is any good. Yeah, so it's it's just a mess. So NCAA needs to get ahead of the thing, and it's so far – they're so far behind. It, it's going to take a miraculous effort to get it done. It really will, and it, and I don't know that they're going to be able to do it until unless some so. drastic changes are made. But that's that's college football right now. That's college athletics, and it's not just Penn State. This is happening everywhere around the country. I mean, you see mid majors just getting torched because they can't compete with that. You know, you look at a, some of the other places in, in in Pennsylvania. You look at Pitt. You look at Villanova, Temple, places like that. I mean, they can't compete with 
and Pitt, Pitt is on a different level, and Pitt's comparable to Penn State, but but those other smaller D1 schools aren't going to be able to compete with that, and that's, you know, and that sucks. Yeah, and that's, that's where contracts will, will help those guys where, you know, you're coming in as a two- or a three-star, even if you ball out your freshman or sophomore year. Sorry, buddy, we, we, we signed you with a three-year contract. Your NIL, our, our best efforts of NIL are limited to three years, are – are four three years and you can't go anywhere. So you can either declare for the draft or go get one more one more year in college. So there definitely needs to be something because if not, the competitive balance is going to shift even more in favor of the power five. And not just the power five, like the perennial top end of power five. So it's who can afford who can afford the, the best roster? Who's going to be the Yankees of the college athletic of college athletics? Who's going to be the pirates of college athletics? You know? And it's going to come down to typically what it has to come down to the haves and have nots, but it's going to be the haves and have nots behind the scenes. And that's a dangerous, dangerous game to play in collegiate athletics. Certainly, especially because, I mean, behind the scenes is already playing the deal with coaches and the boosters and everything like that, Mm -hmm. dictating who gets fired and who gets hired and how long they stay. So it's just going to be a slippery slope and boosters start saying like, man, we're paying this guy a million and a half and he's riding the bench because he can't because he stinks. Like get him out of here. Send him. Yeah, to the and that's, the, that's I'm glad you brought that up. That's the other thing too, right? We don't know what these players outside of high school are going to do. I say this all the time. When you get to college, your star rating doesn't matter. It just makes it just makes those expectations that much higher. So the, the quarterback, the name slips my mind, that was committed to Florida had a 13 million dollar deal, five star quarterback. How many five star quarterbacks do you see just laying egg in college? Right? How many how many times do you see that? That's going to be a factor too. You have to worry about that aspect because what if they don't live up to those standards? You or know? you get a guy like Trace McSorley who comes in as what a three star safety. Yeah. Vanderbilt and James Frank were the only people to recruit him as a quarterback. Then he obviously comes to Penn State. He probably got zero NIL. Well, after his freshman year, or excuse me, his sophomore year, his first year starting. Then he's balling out, and then Penn State does some a program doesn't pony up for a guy, and then somebody's poaching him out of the transfer portal, like a Drake May for five million. Yeah, right. And then your boosters have to come up with like, yeah, do you like this guy for five million, or do you think we can get another three star to hit a home run with? So, slippery slope. Yeah, and it and and I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. I think that's that's unfortunate, but maybe next week. We'll try not to talk about it. Well, next week we'll have a lot to talk about, you know, with it with leading up to the blue white game. So hopefully we don't need to worry about NIL stuff, but who knows? For Kevin, this has been Jared Prugar on the Nittany Sports Now Network. You're listening to the Lashing Out Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. <laughs>